0: Chapter 24 of Madcap by George Gibbs. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Oliva. The Wings of the Butterfly. John Markham spent an unpleasant evening. He dined alone at a club, wandering afterward aimlessly from library to billiard room, and then took to the streets trusting to physical exercise to clear his head of the tangle that olga had put into it olga the irrepressible man-hunter in love with a fossilized galahad that was ironically amusing extraordinary if true a punishment which fitted her crime and something of a grim joke on the man-hunter as well as the fossil markham tried to view the matter with unconcern manlike recalling the many times that olga's name had been coupled with those of various distinguished foreigners and the frequent reports of her engagement always denied and forgotten and yet she worried him for a brief moment she had given him a glimpse of the shadowy recesses where she hid her naked soul, a glimpse only, like some of those she had given him when he was painting her portrait. But what he had seen now was different, And Olga no longer wistful, no longer amenable, a wild, unreasoning thing who purred cat-like while he stroked her sheathing and unsheathing her claws there was mischief brewing he felt it in her sudden access of self-control and in the final jest with which she had left him he knew her better now it was when she mocked that olga was most dangerous it was clear that she had not believed him when he told her the truth her standards forbade it of course it was too bad but she had not told what she knew that was the main thing what if she did tell now hermia could deny it of course and if necessary he must lie as olga had said like a gentleman and where were olga's proofs who would confirm her what evidence human or documentary could she bring forward here in new york to prove hermia's culpability if as it seemed to be her intention she insisted on carrying her sweet vengeance to its end there was no one he paused his brow clouding de Foligny had de Foligny learned who hermia was had olga found out about the companion in his automobile at verneuil he waved the thought away de Foligny was on the other side of the ocean the psychological moment for olga's revelation had passed consoling himself with these thoughts he went home and to bed and morning found him early at the studio awaiting his new sitter in a more quiescent if still uncertain frame of mind the portrait of mrs berkeley hammond on which he had been working sat smugly upon one of his easels a thing of shreds and patches though the lady was in pearls and a grecole frock a thing painty without being direct mannered without being elegant highly colored without being colorful a streaky thing with brilliant spots like the work of a promising pupil a pretty poor markham which had pleased the sitter because its face flattered her and for which she would gladly pay the considerable sum he charged while markham's inner consciousness loudly proclaimed that the canvas was not worth as much as the crayon sketch of madame d'audifrey in normandy which had been the price of a ragout really he would have to paint better he swung the easel around with a kick of the foot and faced a new canvas primed some days before and busied himself about his palette and paint tubes when phyllis van vorst emerged from the dressing room a while later into the cool north light markham's eyes sparkled with a genuine delight here was the sort of thing he could do white satin with filmy drapery from which rose the fresh-colored flower of girlhood without being really pretty his model created the illusion of beauty by her youth her abundant health and many little tricks of gesture and expression her role was that of the ingenue and she prattled childishly of many things flitting like a butterfly from topic to topic grave and gay with a careless grace which added something to the picture she made markham let her talk interjecting monosyllables lulled by the inexhaustible flow aware after the first pose or two that he was painting well with the careless brush of entire confidence as olga had said he always was at his best when a little contemptuous in three hours the head was finished and the background laid in premier coup the best thing he had done in a year he twisted the canvas around to get a better look at it and groped for his pipe suddenly conscious of the fact that he had painted and that his model had set steadily for an hour and a half without a rest you poor child he muttered with compunction as he helped her down that's the penalty of being interesting oh i'm so glad she cried you can say nice things can't you when i think of them he laughed she stood before the canvas in breathless delight oh do i look like that mr markham like psyche with the lamp it's quite too wonderful for words i'm a dream i've never seen anything quite so flattering in my life Oh, I'm so glad I came to you instead of to teddy vincent. You've made my poor nose quite straight and yet it's my nose too. How on earth did you do it? You're not going to work any more? No, he laughed. The head is done. She sat in the chair he brought forward for her and markham dropped on the divan near her and smoked. She gazed at the head for a while in rapturous silence oh mr markham will you ever forgive me for being so stupid last summer she said at last about that upside-down painting i've been so humiliated i'm not really a landscape man you know he said cheerfully by way of consolation and it was only a sketch oh but they made such a lot of fun of me at westport they're not very merciful that crowd Markham's gaze shifted. Yes, I know, he said quietly. Oh, have you heard? His companion laughed suddenly. About what? Asked Markham, startled. About Crosby Downs." No. He has married Sybil Trenchard. Markham took a puff at his pipe. Really, why? She laughed, and then quickly, I don't know and hilda and carol carol governor you know engaged she has wanted him a long time everybody thought he'd wiggle out of it somehow but he didn't or couldn't or something he smiled cupid has had a busy summer oh yes quite extraordinary you see out of all that house-party there are only three or four left she spoke of this wholesale selection and apportionment as though her topic had been apples indeed markham stopped smoking who else he asked calmly me she said blushing prettily i mean i i and reggie reginald armistead i thought that he and miss challoner oh that's all off she laughed they didn't really care for each other at all not that way just as friends you know hermy is a good deal like a fellow reggie liked her that way they were pals had been from childhood but then one doesn't marry one's pal i'm very glad said markham politely examining her with a new interest i shall make it a point at once to offer him my congratulations i like him he's adorable isn't he but i'm horribly frightened about him he's so dreadfully reckless flying i mean if it hadn't been for hermia i'm sure he never would have begun it but he's promised me to give it up now hermia may break her neck if she likes that's mr morhouse's affair but- morhouse markham broke in wide-eyed she regarded him calmly where on earth have you been mr markham in france he stammered do you mean that hermia miss challoner is uh, engaged to Trevy? of course it was cabled from paris to the herald but then nobody who knows about things is really very much surprised Trevy has been wild about her for years and her family have all wanted it it's really a very good match you see Trevy is so steady and she needs a skid to her wheel she rambled on but to markham her voice was only a confused chatter of many voices he rose and turned the easel to a better light then knocked out his pipe into the fireplace the room whirled around him and he steadied himself against the mantel while he tried to listen to what else she was saying her loquacity a moment ago so amusing had assumed a deeper significance the phrases pearled with diabolical fluidity from her lips searing like molten metal hermia the girl was mad the confusion about him ceased and in the silence he heard her voice are you ill mr markham he straightened with a short laugh and faced toward her no not at all and i was really very much interested he said evenly miss challoner is in europe he asked carelessly oh yes or was and Trevy followed her there she's home now came yesterday of course with trevi at her heels oh, he'll keep her in order no fear about that it's about time that hermia settled down she's quite the wildest thing perfectly properly you know olga Cherney says olga is home too he interrupted steadying himself she nodded quickly and went on olga says that hermia disappeared from paris for over a week and no one knew where she was Trevy was crazy with anxiety but she came back one night in an old grey coat and hat with a bundle the shabbiest thing imaginable looking like a tramp Trevy was in the hotel and saw her but they patched things up somehow did uh, madame cherny learn where she had been oh no she laughed you see olga was too busy with her own affairs she has a frenchman in tow this season she's brought him here with her florid blonde, curled and monocled the marquis de folligny pierre de folligny you know him yes sir uh, slightly she had babbled her gossip so lightly and rapidly that this last piece of information had not given him the start its significance deserved but its import grew it's an affair of long standing isn't it she asked him i-i don't know i'm sure he muttered his brow clouding something in his manner made her glance at the clock half-past one and reggie's coming to lunch at two i'll have to tear he opened the dressing-room for her and after she had vanished within stood glowering at the door like one possessed a butterfly that dripped poison he was drenched with it how lightly hermia's name had dropped from her satin wings he smiled grimly at the thought of his own situation the central figure in at least one act of this comedy viewing it from the far side of the proscenium arch gaping like the rustic in the metropolis who sees himself for the first time depicted upon the stage what right had she this little flutter budget to know these things when he was denied them hermia the report of her engagement had been disturbing but for some reason it seemed less important now than the fact that she was here here in new york within twenty minutes of him perhaps upon the very street where he might meet her when he went out hermia and Trevy morehouse he simply would not believe it hermia might look him in the eyes and tell him so and then but she would not dare those eyes, blue, violet, gray, all colors as the mood or the sunlight pleased, honest eyes into whose depths he had peered when they were dark with the shadows of the forest and seen his image dancing. She was his that day, all his. He could have taken her and he had let her go back to Paris and the excellent trevelyan hermia his mad vagabond hermia was ready to tie herself for life to that automatic nonentity at westport who trailed a patient shadow in hermia's swirling wake hermia and morehouse he simply wouldn't believe it when his sitter had departed in a rush to keep her engagement he filled his pipe again and walked the floor smoking furiously the scenario of olga's little drama taking a more definite form he understood now the reasons why she had not told what she had seen he doubted now whether it was her intention to tell but she had brought the frenchman de folligny over to do the telling for her reserving her little climax until all her marionettes were properly placed according to her own stage directions when she would let the situation work itself out to its own conclusion it was an ingenious plan one which did her hand much credit she had realized of course that a revelation of hermia's shortcomings in alenon paris or trouville would have deprived her vengeance of half its sting it required a new york background a quiet drawing-room filled with hermia's intimates for her situation to produce its most telling effect de Foligny now had the center of the stage and at the proper moment she would pull the necessary wires and the thing would be accomplished something must be done at once he changed into street clothes and went out lunched alone on the way uptown and at three was standing at the door of the challoner house the butler showed markham into the drawing-room and took his card he did not know whether Miss Challoner was in or not, but he would see. Markham sat, and impatiently waited, his eyes meanwhile restlessly roving the splendor of the room, in search of some object which would suggest Hermia, mad Hermia of Vagabondia. Opposite him, upon the wall, was a portrait of her by a distinguished Frenchman, with whose Métier, he was familiar an astounding falsehood in various shades of tooth powder this hermia smirked at him like the lady in the fashion page exuding an atmosphere of wealth and nothing else a strange unreal hermia who floated vaguely between her gilt barriers neither sprite nor flesh and blood how could marsac have known the real hermia the heart the spirit of her as he knew them and yet when a few moments later she appeared in the doorway he wondered if he knew her at all she was dressed for afternoon in some clinging dark stuff which made her figure slim almost to the point of thinness she wore a small hat with a tall plume and seemed to have gained in stature her face was paler and her modulated voice and the studied gesture as she offered him her hand did more to convince him that things were not as they should be so good of you to come mr markham he heard her saying coolly i was wondering if i'd have the pleasure of seeing you here he stood uncertainly at the point of seizing her in his arms when he was made aware of her premeditation the temper of her politeness was like a blow between the eyes and he peered blindly into her face in vain for some sign of the girl he knew won't you sit down she asked and dumbly he sat i hear you were in normandy she went on smoothly did you have a good summer you did leave us rather abruptly at westport didn't you but then you know of course i understood that hermia he broke in in a low voice what has happened to you why didn't you answer my letters i've been nearly mad with anxiety he leaned forward toward her the words falling in a torrent but she only examined him curiously a puzzled wrinkle at her brows vying with the set smile she still wore your letters mr markham she said in surprise oh you mean the note about the sketch of thimble island i did reply didn't i it was awfully nice good god he muttered rising haven't you punished me enough now without this with a wave of his hand this extravaganza haven't i paid i searched paris high and low for you hermia haunted your bankers and the hotel where you had been stopping only returning here at the moment when my engagements in new york made it necessary has it been kind of you or just to ignore my letters and leave me all these weeks in anxiety and ignorance i've missed you horribly and i feared nameless things that you had forgotten me that you wanted everything forgotten as he came forward she rose and took a step toward an inner room her eyes still narrowed and quizzical watching him carefully Hermia, hermia he stopped the tension breaking in a laugh oh you want to punish me of course don't you think you've paid me well already see i'm penitent what do you want shall i go down on my knees to you i have been on my knees to you for weeks you must have known it my letters he paused and then stopped puzzled for she had not moved and her gaze surveyed him coolly critical you got my letters he asked anxiously she was silent i've written you every day since you left me poured my heart out to you you didn't get them oh hermia you must have known what life has been without you do you think i could forget what i read in your eyes that day in the forest could you forget what you wrote there only your lips refused me even when they refused me they were warm with my kisses they were mine as you were body and soul you loved me hermia from the first these flimsy barriers you're raising i'll break them down and take you as he approached she reached the curtains one hand upraised you're dreaming mr markham she said distinctly i haven't the least idea what you are talking about you love me he stammered i her laughter checked him effectually he stood his full gesture of entreaty frozen into immobility then slowly his arms relaxed and he stood awkwardly staring now thoroughly awake she meant him to understand that vagabondia was not that their week in arcadia had never been he gaped at her a full moment before he found speech you wish to deny that you and i-that you were there with me in normandy he stammered one only denies the possible mr markham she said with a glib certitude the impossible needs no denial i was in paris and in switzerland this summer obviously i couldn't have been in normandy too i see he muttered mechanically you were in switzerland yes in switzerland mr markham she repeated he turned slowly and walked toward the window his hands behind him struggling for control when his voice came it was as for as her own can you prove that he asked coldly why should i prove it mr markham she asked my word should be sufficient i think the even tones of her voice and the repetition of his name inflamed him there was little doubt of her apostasy he turned toward her with a change of manner his eyes dark perhaps you'll be a- obliged to prove it he muttered i why he looked her straight in the eyes monsieur de foligny is with olga tcherny here in new york the plume on her hat nodded back and her eyes widely opened gave him a momentary glimpse of her terror de foligny is here with olga yes i've just learned it today she moved her slender shoulders upward in the gesture she had learned from Olga Czerny. "'That will be quite pleasant,' she resumed easily. "'He will render us a little less prosy, perhaps.' Markham watched her a moment in silence, his wounds aching dully. "'I came here to warn you of that danger,' he said slowly. "'Since you don't fear it, my mission is ended he took up his hat and stick and moved toward the door i shall not question your wisdom or your sense of responsibility to me or to yourself but i think i understand at last what you would have of me whatever you wish of course i shall do without question i was alone in normandy or with someone else if you like it was my vagabondia, not yours. There was no Philidor, no Yvonne, no Cleofonte or Stella, no roses of Pergegou, no roses in my heart. They're withered enough, God knows. You wish to forget them? You want me to remember you as you are today?" He laughed i think i'll have no difficulty in doing so or helping by my silence or my cooperation in carrying out any plans you may have if you should find it necessary to call upon me i thank you she murmured her head bent he regarded her a moment steadily but she would not meet his gaze at the door he paused i have heard of your reported engagement he finished more slowly i'd like you to know that i had too much faith in you to believe it but i think indeed i am sure i'm ready to believe it now if you tell me it's true she did not raise her head but her lips moved inarticulately he glanced at her a moment longer and then, with an inclination of the head, passed out into the hall and so to the door. End of chapter 24